join us today. Um, take a few moments and um, maybe introduce yourself and your artwork. Yeah, so my name is Chris, and uh, I've been teaching over at the university since 2005. I'm one of the older professors. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, it's, it's happened like that. I also went to the university. Um, my work, I mean, is kind of semi-abstract landscape that has, it's different in some ways because it's, it's based on a lot of modern concepts, but I introduced theology and I introduced the presence of God. My goal is to do that through places and looking at places as spiritual, basically like a sponge. And um, I'll just say that where this started for me was a trip I made to Israel in 1999. I was dating my wife. Do I have time to say this? Just real quick, I was dating my wife, and her father and her whole family were working over there, doing ministry over there for about 10 years, and I had this experience at the Kotel, the, the Wailing Wall. My family is Jewish both, on both my sides, but I wasn't prepared. My wife said, Yo, you have to go to this wall and pray, and I was like feeling really sick, and, and I was like, we should just go back. It was a rainy, cold day in November in Jerusalem. And then she's like, no, no, this is how my wife is. She's like, you need to go and pray. So when I did it, I was overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord as I went close to the wall and started praying, and there was prophecy that happened. And I walked away from that thinking, what just happened? And it was kind of, um, I know this is in Scripture, but for me, the idea that place is a spiritual sponge and that God actually invests in place. Now, we just had this, like, outpouring across the street and here, which is like, I should know this. But somehow that blew my mind. And, the, and I made a decision that I was going to come back and spend time in places. And I've been on this journey about when people go to places, the connection between the Lord and them and a place, and why do they settle at places, and why is there promises that are located in specific places. So I use place as like a touch point for the spiritual. And uh, I'm Dora Daniel, and I graduated from the university uh, really enjoyed my time and experience learning there from, actually, from Prof. Lewis. But, um, yeah, I do plan our work. It's what first drew me to art. I grabbed some paints and went outside and began creating from the landscape down at Highbridge. And just really feel like the, um, the Lord speaks to me through just a time and a moment captured um, in landscape and just how he is very present with us. But that quickly moved for me into also portraiture and figural work where I seek to create the experience of God on a canvas. And so I'll take stories from scripture, potentially like the painting over here is the prodigal son and just not so much trying to communicate a perfect like theology, perfect correctness of like what they would have looked like, but more so what would that moment have been like or felt like and try to communicate that on canvas, usually through portraiture, so. That's a huge inspiration for me. So I'll be honest, I'm a big fan of both. I, I own an original Sagre Lewis and Dora Daniels. Actually, I own a couple of Dora pieces. I love their work. Um, you know, as Christian artists, you know, I think the world in many ways has kind of co-opted the arts. And, um, you know, I think uniquely both of you all have a sense of calling and vocation particularly. How... How does your faith inform your artistic practice? I think it'd be good for us to kind of hear like 
you're doing art, but as a Christian, your faith is, is seen through it. So tell us a little bit about that. You know, growing up, I, I grew up on the east coast of Florida. I was a surfer kid. and Growing up next to weather and growing up sitting in the ocean for hours at a time, you're very aware of creation and you're very aware of sharks. <laughs> and like, so it's like you're aware, there's like a fear of, the, of like instilled in you and an awareness of storms, lightning, and all that happening. So that was in me. And when I was a kid, I would paint these little landscapes, but nothing ever came of them. I didn't have a framework for it. My family were, you know, small business people, and there was no real artists, strong artists that were practicing in my family. So it was just nothing. But as I came, I came to Asbury University, and I would go outside in nature and hike and to go meet with the Lord. It was just something that I did since I was a believer. I would just go out and go on walks, and I would meet with the Lord in a landscape, and it drew me into the mystery of the beauty of the landscape. So there was a connection between my intimate time and the beauty of the landscape. But I was also very interested in missions. I'd felt a calling since I was 16 years old to be serving the Lord. And I'd come to the place and where, I was, where I was like, I want to give my life to missions. And I was spending, I was on top of a hill praying to the Lord. I was like, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And I just heard this response inside of myself where the Lord said, I want you to paint. That was his response to me. And I just wanted to do whatever he wanted me to do. And so that began something inside of me where the goal is, is to do what the Lord wants us to do. Now, to obey the Lord in the way he wants us to obey him, not in the way we think we should obey him. And that began my journey and also began like the moment you say yes and you step out, anointing comes with that, with obedience. As you can see that pattern through scripture. So that started it. I started, then I decided to go to grad school and just a lot of favor happened. Um, in a public university, there was one believer, <laughs> old man who, who singled me out, who was the painting professor, and he basically discipled me, and he was, it was amazing. So that was a great period of time for me, and um, it just started. And then right when I start, ended grad school, jobs opened up, and galleries opened up. So I've been showing in galleries since 2005, and I've been teaching since a little bit before then because of grad school. So that's, that's been my pattern. Mm -hmm. And for me, actually, a similar story where I feel like the Lord spoke a word of what I've made you to do is to paint. And I don't think that is an exclusive like thing to look for as an artist, that you need that directive from the Lord. But that was something I needed to know that this is what the Lord has called me to do and not something else because <laughs> I had a couple other ideas. Um, but yeah, my faith definitely is integral to my creation process because I see it as a co-creation with the Lord. Like I really seek his face in what I'm creating, which is why I think I have a stronger connection with my portrait art. I connect a lot with my plain art and I really love it, but my portrait art is usually how the, that co-creation with the Lord goes. When I'm creating something, I like to ask and seek his spirit and just see like, Lord, what is it that you would have me know about the story of the woman with the lost coin or um, about what you want people to know for when they're coming back in a redemptive story, like the sense that you would convey through a visual process. So my faith is integral in that sense. And whenever I try to walk away from the Lord in my art process, it usually gets a little funky. <laughs> um, I think 
What is, you know, a question that I've got is, again, I think there's an unusual relationship between the church and the arts, you know, kind of, I would call it an uneasy relationship. And I think maybe there's a suspicion of even Christian artists. And I think there's almost a prophetic role in a good way. Um, it could be good and bad, but what, is, what would you describe as like the call of an artist? In the midst of that too is, again, it's, it's kind of like a lot of the art world has been co-opted by modernism and secularism and arts become very elitist, dark, vulgar in some instances of what taxpayer dollars has supported, you know, I mean, you could just, the list could kind of go on. And I think, again, as you look at, I think there's a unified theme of your art represents beauty that points toward the good, the true, the beautiful, and God. Those are the transcendentals throughout history. How would you describe the call of a Christian artist in the midst of, and I think, especially you're in galleries across the nation, secular galleries. Um, what is the call of a Christian artist in the midst of kind of a modernist secular art world? What a great question. So my, my thoughts about this are, we are in the world as Jesus is in the world. He comes, he shows the kingdom, he invites in the kingdom. So believers in the world, I'll just say when you're involved with this, I'll, I'll divide it up because you were talking about the secular yeah, so in the secular world, basically what we're doing is we're revealing. We are revealing the kingdom. So my main goal when I'm painting, besides just pure beauty and response and dancing with the Lord and, you know, it's like a dance with him is what he's showing me in my paintings and what am I doing, is to reveal what the kingdom looks like to, the eye, to people who are not in the kingdom, giving them a glimpse through my eyes to see what they can't see. That's, that's basically it. It's kind of like you don't know what you don't know. And in the secular world, the value system is really based on the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and we are called to the tree of life. And those are two completely different principles through Scripture, the two trees. And so they're just doing things in their own accord, and there's a huge gap of, of purposelessness. I'll just say that. So they're always looking for a purpose. They're always looking to throw a political things or some kind of purpose, it's because they're lacking identity because they don't know the creator. They actually don't know him at all. And so my goal when I'm in the gallery world and showing is to reveal what it looks like to be, to be a believer and to carry the presence into those spaces. And I have lots and lots of stories of what that looks like, but I will just tell you this, I never leave anything of who I am when I'm in the secular world. And most of my gallery owners are atheists, they are not believers, and the artists are not believers. It is not Christian galleries. <laughs> it's not that at all. And I think to myself, it's like, if they're bringing whatever baggage they're bringing in into the art world, I'm going to bring in the gold. And I can say whatever I want, because no one can tell me my art's not about this. <laughs> That's the great part about being an artist. There's no scholar saying, hey, your art's not about this. It's like, I mean, you're the artist. You're literally the creator. So you, you can define that, and they can either not receive your art or they can receive it. But I've generally had very, very positive reception from the most unlikely sources where, you know, some of the galleries are like, we've been looking across America for an artist like you, 
and it's very hard to find. And I get calls from galleries nationally. And they're seeing something, but I'm hoping what they're seeing is an invitation from the Holy Spirit. I'm hoping that. And I don't hold back. When I'm in those openings, I have lots of stories about this. I don't hold back. I don't have two identities. I have one identity, which is a son of the Most High God. One identity. And I invite them in there. So I think that's our place as Christian artists is really kind of like Daniel figures, um, Paul before, different leaders that he was in front of, whether it's Caesar or in, in Caesarea. We, we, we have that position. Most believers don't know what they carry. They've been lied to. They don't know that they actually carry the greatest resources, unlimited resources of heaven. If we would just ask, they don't even know that. And so as, crea- as creators, we actually have the, the source of all, the fountain of all creativity. We are joined with him. We're joined with him. So we have a greater resource as artists than non-believers do. We really do. And I've seen that play out before. I really have. So. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree about bringing, trying to create an image of the kingdom to then share with those who may not have connection to that. Um, and even just recognizing each person is unique before the Lord. And so the connection someone might have with my art or with Chris's art or Winfield is going to speak to them on a certain level that only maybe I would be equipped to create and show that to them that would speak that to them. Um, I also think the beauty, goodness, and truth is such a distinctive as a Christian that we can offer uh, creatively to through the arts. And I think beauty is very much attacked and goodness is very much attacked. And truth is reinterpreted by the secular culture to mean kind of this we want to just grab you with something. Like, we want you to take up our cause. We want you to feel something. And I would say that the truth the Lord offers is a truth of healing, and it acknowledges suffering. And so I think that as a Christian artist, even if your artwork is not, you know, a landscape which is just maybe really peaceful to look at, and it has suffering and it has struggle in it, I think that is something that the secular world looks for and doesn't acknowledge that Christianity has to offer. And so I think the visual artist who's a Christian, like they are able to extend the truth of like, yes, we know there's suffering in the world and we also want to offer beauty and goodness in with that. But we know, we know there's pain. We know there's suffering. We don't just have to paint beautiful pictures and act like nothing's wrong. We want to extend the kingdom and the kingdom does deal with wounds and it deals with hurt and even art being like a therapy to the person creating because you can paint something and realize I didn't know I was struggling with that and then you help provide a mirror maybe for someone else to see that as well in your work um so I think that the Christian has a lot to offer to the secular world because of the Lord because the Lord has something to offer to the world um that's irreplaceable and that is life-changing Yeah, I think this actually kind of segues to the next question. As you kind of look at the history of the church and the history of art, really there's been a a direct connection up until really the rise of modernism in the last hundred years where, you know, the scissors, as Hans Burisma calls it, the scissors of modernity have kind of, um, you know, for the majority of of time, there was this sacramental worldview that in, influenced the imagination of Christian believers that was holistic, that had that. I think for my next question, because not everyone in the room is an artist, right? 
Um, so hopefully we do have some artists here today and they're encouraged. And, uh, but the other side for pastors or those that are going into Christian ministry, I think the other thing we want to do is really cast a vision for churches and church leaders to understand the importance. And I, I believe the church should be the greatest patron of the Christian arts. Every church should find value in how they can support Christian artists and, and actually see how art actually connects to the church's mission. So I'd love to, um, I don't know exactly how to frame this question. I'm, I'm kind of go, going off-roading here. But uh, for those in the room that aren't Christian artists, what would you say, maybe there's some pastors, future pastors, church leaders, even those going um, in, in, you know, in missions or from other countries, like, why should the church care about art? And why should they care about artists? Why does it matter? This is, this is your opportunity as a Christian artist to, like, just throw it out there. I mean, I, I would say, like, if we are not champions of beauty, then who will step up? And if we are not willing to acknowledge that there are things that art can speak to that nothing else will, and whether it's music or theater or the visual arts, poetry, there we are made artistically. And even if you're not a creating artist, we still are made to receive art and receive that kind of creativity. And you can express creativity in all kinds of ways, but sometimes we need to kind of jump past that left brain and cut to the chase of the emotional or um, kind of, yeah, just those underlying things that can't be named yet, maybe with just words, and they need to be demonstrated artistically. So I would just say, if, we're not, if the church doesn't champion arts and beauty specifically, then who will? But also, um, we need it. We need to cut the chase. We need to not just try to address everything with words and a rational ideology because we aren't created in that way. The Lord is a creator. He made us to be artistic. And so we have that as an element of ourselves, even if we don't express it visually or making songs, we still need that part of ourselves addressed and um, cultivated. That's good. I think this gets back to the nature of the Lord is many times we read the scripture and we want to understand the word of God, but we don't ask the question, who are you? And show me your ways. Why do you do this? Father, why do you, why are you like this? Like, we don't get into the identity of who Yahweh actually is. So one of the things you see throughout scripture is he surrounds himself in beauty. Every time, every revelation of heaven is more beautiful than anything that anybody can express. And he could have surrounded himself with all kinds of things. He could, it could be like a white, <laughs> I'm thinking of like the Plymouth voyagers, you know, back in, you know, the early parts of this, this, this continent here, of, of the colonials coming here. It could have been white walls and nothing. But no, every time we get a picture into heaven, what do we see? Oh, the, around heaven, around the Father is a rainbow that's shining like an emerald, and the walls of heaven are gem tones, gems that are like multiple different colors, and there's, you know, light acts like music, and there's transparency, and there's like, there's, there's things that are so beautiful that words can't, words barely touch them. Does, does everybody agree with me here? You understand that? So if we're actually representing this king, what should we look like? 
I'm just telling you that, like, we should be the best at this because the God of this world is ugly. The God of this world is dark and is, is, is prone to things falling apart, right? I mean, it's prone to things getting worse. But the God that we believe in is infinite. And I, I keep hearing this verse, behold, I've created, a, a, I'm doing a new thing, right? There's something about doing a new thing that requires creativity and beauty all the time. So it's kind of like, I think this is a wonderful spot, and this is something that we've kind of dropped the ball on as a church, is we should be the watchmen and guardians, and we should be the ones carrying. We're literally carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the beautiful Ark of the Covenant. We are the Levites carrying this thing before the unbelieving world. The Queen of Sheba should come to us and say, tell me about your beauty. What is going on here with your, your God is so full of wisdom and beauty. Like, this, this should be us. But instead, we have sometimes, there's nothing wrong with order, but sometimes we've given ourselves to pragmatism. We've given ourselves to an understanding that, like, why did God create the universe? Because he wanted to and he enjoyed it. <laughs> it's like, this is part of his nature. It's the first mention. He's mentioning himself as an artist. And then the last mention is he creates a new heaven, a new earth, and it's so beautiful. I just said that we're, we're, we have a God who is incredibly beautiful. And everything he creates around him, the closer you get to the throne, it's more and more crazy and beautiful and creative. It's like the creatures, as they get closer, get wilder. Hundreds, thousands of eyes and wings everywhere and things going in different. It's just like an explosion of creativity. So if we're going to actually represent him, what should, when a, if a non-believer comes into this room, what should they experience? I mean, it should be wild. I think one of the things that attracted people to Jesus' ministry was the absolute wild, amazing stuff that he was doing that were representative of the kingdom of heaven, what was going on. He was only doing what the Father was doing and only saying what the Father was saying. So it's like, he's walking on water. He's revealing himself in glory and light and clouds are coming around and Moses and Elijah show, show up. I mean, just like really crazy, beautiful things in high places, on mountaintops, all kinds of amazing things. He's showing people multiplication. These, the world is interested in these things. They want to know, like, they don't want to be limited by physics, truly, or we wouldn't have science fiction. They want to know that God can do anything. And so one of the things that the arts do, does is it, it, I'm just using this, excuse the pun, but we paint a picture of what's possible beyond what's possible. And that's what we own as believers. We actually own the impossible is our daily bread. Does that make sense for everybody? Okay. Come on now. <laughs> Can I get an amen for you? Amen. Both of you. Hallelujah. I'm gonna, we're going to do autographs afterwards. <laughs> Real quick, rapid fire. Um, what advice would you give to Christian artists that... Maybe there's some here. We heard yesterday, uh, you know, I love, you know, Rachel's heart. She helps lead a minute. She travels all over ministering to singers, songwriters across the nation, gathers them in retreats. And it's kind of like God uses her. And I, I think that's what I want today to be for maybe some people in the room, to give people permission to be a Christian artist, whether that means selling your art, whether often, I think we've, it's kind of like even ministry, we've professionalized ministry, we've almost reduced, 
we've cheapened what it means to be a pastor in today's world to how much do you get paid to serve Jesus? And I think, I wonder if it's the same thing with the arts. And so real quick, rapid fire, what would you do to encourage someone in the, in the room that's like, I'm an artist, maybe I, you know, haven't, God has brought, you know, art has been, always been a part of my life, but over the last couple of years, God has just thrown fuel on that fire and given me permission. I guess this is the word I'm like, like what would you say to maybe Christian artists in the room to give them permission to say, go for it? Rapid fire. Dora. I mean, I have first couple of thoughts would be contact your church and see like, would there be space to do a small like gallery show within your church? Cause I've had really positive experiences within the church, embracing art, especially from like within the congregation. Um, if you're like, at the congregation you attend or just in a way, just seeking to share it with people, finding ways to display your art for others. Even if you just do like a pop-up somewhere, um, like I've had ideas of like, why, why can't you just put art along the street and like have people be able to walk by and enjoy it? But I think sharing and like having an openness and an open handedness of letting others see and know what you do and like sharing that side of yourself and not withholding because the Lord is all about sharing and abundance and inviting. So I think inviting others into what you do and acknowledging like this isn't just to be misered away but it's to be shared yeah that just like contacting your local church and just seeing like hey are you open to me doing a small show for like a month in this space um first thought that's good um i keep thinking of king david and one of the principles of David is he killed the lion and the bear in private before he, was in, before he slayed his ten thousands. And I would say that if you have a sense about this, st- um, start making work. Just start making work. Make a ton of work and make it with the Lord. You know, the folks who are up here leading worship, this is not the first time they did this. And I'm sure that they do this in private. Do you do this at your homes? you worship at your homes or do you only worship in front of everybody else? I assume you worship at your homes and you're in your, your quiet place, right? In your, I would say start doing it. If you want to see the fruits, you need to act on the word. Act on the word, start making the work. And then the fruits come from acting on the obedience of the Lord. If he's calling you to, to make art, make it. And um, the next thing is, is that you get better by trial and error. And... You need to have, it doesn't mean that you need to be a professional artist, but I'll say this is that the best teacher, the Lord will show you what to do. And the spirit of Daniel is a spirit of taking whatever the world says and doing it better than them (laughs) because you have the living God inside of you. So you have the ability to grow just by walking in relationship with him. So I would encourage that. It's just start making the work, show the work, but make it in your private time. Make it when no one sees it in your quiet spot before the Lord and then start doing it. And then with churches, you'd be surprised. There's a lie out there that people don't respond to this. But the shocking thing for me is that when I've gone international and done missions, I'm always shocked. I've gone to do like evangelism and work with evangelists. What people want to talk about is the art. And I'm always like, wait, I'm here to evangelize. No, no. It's what the pastors and the wise the pastors' wives are crying over is the paintings. I'm like, People really need this. They actually really need this. I just want to encourage you about that. Beauty is important. It's important for inspiration to actually help believe the Lord. 
Amen. I'll say this real quick, and then we're going to um, transition here. But we're, we're a part of, we've started a local guild, um, and we want to invite you, if you're a local artist and you're here, uh, we have started, we're meeting the first Thursday of every month at the Sanctuary downtown Wellmore. Uh, you can find out more about it. It's called Creo Art Guild. Creo means to create in Latin, but to believe in Spanish. So create and believe. And the vision's beauty, truth, and goodness through the arts. And what we want to do is just build a guild of encouraging one another to grow in our gifts, to be authentically, faithfully Christian, um, and to tend to pray for each other, to share our, our, our gifts and our talents with one another. And so...